Hi folks! Wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about an awesome web series my friends Alicia and Larissa wrote, directed, produced, basically did everything, called Allie and Lara Make a Horror Movie. Allie and Lara Make a Horror Movie is a campy, super meta web series about a screenwriting duo directing their first epic creature feature, Lamantis. I just finished rewatching it and I'm really, really super excited for the last two final episodes of season one to come out. These ladies are super badass. I love them both and I'm so proud of what they've created and really want you guys and encourage you to check it out. You can search it on Google, just look up Allie, that's A double L I E, and Lara, that's L A R A, make a horror movie. All right, please, please, please go check it out. These women work very, very hard on it, and their wonderful cast and crew did an immaculate job. I can't say enough. All right, thanks, guys. Ambient toast. Nunavut? Nunavut? What? Eh? Let's go. Eh? Be nice. You want me to be nice? No, I said, I said Nunavut, and then you went, what? And I said, let's go. It'd oh. be nice. <laughs> you should be nice, too, though. Uh, I try to be nice as much as possible. You know what we didn't do in the intro? What? That was me, Brian. (gasps) We did not. We didn't. Shit. Intro here. Okay, cut and paste that. People that are just too happy and too nice... They're the freaking psychopaths. And I'll tell you about it. Cool. I'm excited. I'm really excited to... because I, I don't know I, what your story is because you <laughs> told me... No. Something. Told me it wasn't a murder. <laughs> I don't know what that means! <laughs> it's hard. It's Because it, I don't, don't want to give it away because okay. I, I feel like... Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. Give Ooh. it away. Give it away. Give it away now. Okay, don't give it away. Well, mine is a murder. Oh, guys. Hey. Hi. Welcome. To the art of murder. That's what we are. Mm-hmm. I'm Jenna. I'm Julie. And this is our awesome podcast. Yes. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, a shout out. Yeah. Uh, David Rocca. Hey, buddy. Hi, David. He's from Sudbury. Oh, I hi, said your last David name be- because you didn't tell me not to say your last name. So If we need to, we can beep this out. Yeah, but he probably won't listen to it till after it's published. Oh, okay. So that's your last name. You're going to get stalkers now. He is a, um, he was a, I met him. Oh God, I don't know. He was a friend of my brother's Mm -hmm. and the one who doesn't call me. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, then we, I guess, you know, you become Facebook friends and whatnot. So he's from, he's from back home and he just recently purchased uh, one of my artworks, a watercolor for his wife. Aww. Yes. Which one? Uh, It was a Coca-Cola sign. It was Mm -hmm. an anti-Coca-Cola sign. So I painted it and I guess his wife is super into Coca-Cola stuff. That's a thing. So yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, so it was funny because I live here, he lives there and it's hard to... I was going up north in the summer, and anyway, I ended up meeting up on Manitoulin Island with his wife's mother, and then we did the exchange there. Okay, cool. Yeah, in a parking lot. <clears throat> yeah, creepy. It was super cool. Well, it was during the day, and it's... those are our. That's our favorite thing. Being what? in a creepy, being in an area that feels really creepy, and meeting a person. Yeah. Even though we know who they are, but it wasn't really it's that kind creepy. Of our <laughs> It sounds like it has the recipe to be creepy, but it was during the day and it was in Kagawang, which is uh, such an amazing place. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, I'll take you there one day. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I am excited to visit Manitoulin Island one day. Like I, you will. Yeah. We'll, we'll go hiking. I definitely want to do that. And we'll go look for bodies. Yes. Excellent. I do. It's wonderful. I got excited the other day. I was walking Bowie and we go over to the, the church, kind of that's yeah. around the corner from us. <clears throat> and I see this white thing in the ground <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's, it's a bone. bone. It was just a leaf. And I was <laughs> very fucking disappointed. I was so upset. I didn't even care if it was like a chicken bone from a chicken wing. I was... Yeah, because I feel like it's such a populated area with the chances of a random human bone mm-hmm. just be thrown there. Did I ever tell you the story about how, about my theory of there, there's a serial killer living in this neighborhood? I don't think so. All right. <clears throat> I'm glad you're telling it to me now, now that I've moved out of this neighborhood. Well, you know, for your for safe safety. <gasps> pr- I already know who it is. You do? Oh. <laughs> okay, no, I'm just joking. Tell it's, me the story. It's George. George. Mm -hmm. You know that guy, George, that's on the corner of that street and that street? Yes. Yeah, that guy. No, I don't know. I have no idea. uh, Bowie and I were walking and I noticed he was sniffing at something and it was a squirrel. But it was just the head of a squirrel. (gasps) And here's the fucking freaky part. So I'm looking at this squirrel because, you know, I went back to the scene of the crime a second time with Tyler to point it out to him because he didn't believe me at first. And I said, no, look. I get really into it, like nose right down into the squirrel. Oh, no, don't do that. What piqued my curiosity was the flesh around this, the neck was was sort of flapping down. So it almost had seemed as if the head was severed with flat, like almost pulled out or some way, somehow, almost like a clean, it looked very clean cut. I don't know how to describe it. You know what jellyfish, you know how they got their like. Yeah, yeah potty thing and then you see the stuff that's inside yeah. it sort of looked what it looked like could it have been a hawk holding the head down and ripping the body apart could have but i had uh, sort of i had sort of theorized based off of like Dahmer and his killing of animals it's probably one of our kids that we teach oh yeah stepping stone mm, damn just, it you just switched my theory now sorry oh it's okay okay things things keep going we'll still play <laughs> with this anyways i was like Ooh, I, th- this is sort of the start of someone who's a serial killer. They start yeah. hurting animals. So yeah. I was like, okay, maybe I'll find more. Nope, never did. So. Good, I'm glad. I know, but. I hope it was just a regular hawk serial I hope killer. So <clears throat> I hope it was just nature being nature. Yes. And animals being animals. Yes. Ah, so. That's my story. That, that, that's it. That's it. This is it, guys. I have a friend, Mimi, who corrected something that I said wrong. But, oh, uh, we have a correction? Yeah, but I don't know how to say it. So it was, she, she <laughs> sent me, she sent me a voice clip on text, but once you listen to it, it disappears. So I'm like, do you think I remembered how to say it? It was like two episodes ago. It was when I was talking about a, I'm going to say it really wrong now. It's like the bone body people. The, oh, the people like who the study bones? bones or like malformations or now I'm probably even explaining it way worse than I did then. It's not an anthropologist. No, 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 no. Like you're alive. It's like um, if you hurt because you have a, let's say a weird growth, like your shoulder does this or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a physiatrist or something. Apparently that's not how you say it. Oh, so it's the, so almost like the impairment of a bone to a person and their study of why is it's impairing them or something like that? No, Jenna, okay. I don't know. We read the definition on you here. You did, and I forgot it. I forgot it too. And then she tried to correct me, and then I'm like, okay, well, 
Mireille, like, I, I, I won't remember how you said I was... Anyway, doesn't matter. That was so two episodes ago. Yeah. So we're over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's my story. Speaking of things <clears throat> that happened that Jenna... No. Is over? <laughs> no, no. No, just, just speaking of things that were an error. I don't know how to how to segue. I can't even fucking <laughs> just segue. say it doesn't okay. matter. Uh, big huge apology needs to go out to our local uh, oh. toy store here. Um, so I don't know if you guys know. I actually have two jobs. I work at the art gallery that Julie and I work at, but I also work at our neighborhood in our neighborhood toy store, the Swag Sisters. Wonderful, wonderful shop. Don't say neighborhood. Now people will know where our neighborhood is. Will they? Well, you. Oh, just I guess when it. when you whatever. <laughs> You know, just say I just really want people to come and see me because uh, I'm a celebrity now, and like, no, it's no just... they can come see you, but no, okay, no, that's good, it's fine. But just edit all this out. Just keep going. Gone. It's out. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, we have something to bring up. Don't edit that out. I mean, I. You don't want me to edit it? No, it's funny. Okay. So <laughs> I feel like stop, start, stop, stop, stop. Okay. Basically, I fucked up. And not realizing it, actually, because this happened a couple weeks this, ago, it sounds like. This is the best story. Um, so we're just getting into the swing of things on how to promote the podcast. And we hooked up our Facebook account, or what I thought was our Art of Murder podcast Facebook account, to our Instagram. So when we post things on Instagram, it immediately goes to Facebook. However, I accidentally posted one of... <laughs> Uh, one of the Instagram posts that I had done on the toy store's Facebook page that I work at. The kids' toy store Facebook page. <laughs> when little kids go in advertising, yay, fun for kids. Yep. We have the Art of Murder <clears throat> something or other posted on there. Yeah, I can't remember which post they told me it was, but uh, basically I I ran into my bosses over there and they're like, hey, we had a bone to pick with you and we were, they had wake, woken up and looked down to see, oh, so-and-so had posted or Jenna posted something on the Swag Sisters Facebook. And cause I have, I was, I had access at the time to try and help with marketing. At the time. At the you time. got deleted. I definitely the- did. They even said it. They were like, we removed you very quickly. I'm like, totally understand. I get it. I still have not fucking figured this shit out. I was the director. I was the director of marketing at an um, ad agency years ago, and I still can't get <laughs> my he- wrap my head around how the fuck Instagram and Facebook work. <laughs> yes, everyone right now listening, whoops, should be laughing their no, their asses off. But the off. best part is, <clears throat> once you told me, you just told me, was it today or yesterday? Yesterday, yesterday, I was laughing so hard. The best part was, is after all this, and I'm thinking, wait, did you get in shit? Are you you know fired or whatever? Then you're like, no, 26 people like the post. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So 26, 26 parents, parents. Who's are, who are on Facebook, who like the Swag Sisters, yeah. which is a kid's toy store, was like, yeah, all for murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess it was PG. It was just like, oh, episode something is out. And this is the story that I'm doing. I think it was, I think it was on the, on Walter Sickert and Jack the Ripper. It seemed like uh, that long ago. Uh, but I could be wrong. So they deleted it right away, though. When they right started. away. So we still got 26 we likes. We still got 26 and you likes. Got de- wow, that's impressive. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I know. Well, they have I 600 followers story. on their Facebook account. Sweet. But still, like, that was some And good you ex- did it by accident? 
<laughs> yes, she did. I did. I promise. If the owners are listening. We she- love, I love you guys. You guys are awesome people. Yeah. yeah. Who, who can own a toy store and not have love? Mm. Well, that's true, actually. You know what? <laughs> I'd like to change that opinion. These people are good. Yes. But I'm sure there are serial killers that are on toy there, Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. <laughs> No. Anyways. Okay, let's just switch before we say something wrong. So, sorry about that. I do apologize. You um, guys rock. <clears throat> yes, totally. Get, get ice cream in the summertime there. Yes. Oh my God. They're, the, they get ice cream from Shaw's and it's, Shaw's ice cream is, is so Shaw. flipping good. Like the uh, cable company? Yeah. Or the festival. Oh, that too. Or. Or Hasha. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I honestly, let's get real here. I fucking love doing this podcast with you. Like, you know, so for the last week, I've been trying to get the, the website started up. I've been looking into yeah. advertising, which we've got to sit down and have a business meeting about. But at the end of the day, and I and I had said this to Tyler, you know, all of this stuff is so overwhelming, yeah. but it's so worth it because when we get sitting down on this couch and get into this kind of groove, everything else is just wonderful. Like, it's, it's just my favorite. It is my favorite. Mondays are my favorite now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm saying, I'm like, all I want to do is just sit down and write about murder. All I want to do is stab, 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 stab. stab, stab. Oh, and a whipping off that head. Stab, 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 stab. <laughs> Don't stab, just... No, no stabbing. <laughs> Against murder hardcore. Turn murder for what? <laughs> oh, look at Bowie, look at you. He's, These are going on our number one hit music is album. Judging you. <clears throat> yeah, Bowie's yeah. hanging out with us today, so Yes, he he's being good. Yeah, he's being very good. He's chilling. I mean he's always good. Yeah. Oh, oh, nope. oh, stop me. Lose eye contact. He's about to get up on the couch. And okay. Anyway. So yeah, you want to hear about a murder? I I'm really excited to hear about a murder. Excellent. Okay, let's do this. This is about Gerard Schaefer. Oh, I've never heard of this guy. Okay. Yay. See, I think sometimes like we miss the boat on things because I have never heard about him. Oh. But I sometimes again I miss the boat. But his name seemed familiar, and forgive me, you guys can laugh at us for not knowing. And then you read his story, and you're like, how? Have we not? Anyway, I'm sure a bunch of people who know about true crime are like, you guys, they're judging us hard. Yeah, I feel right so now. self-conscious whenever I'm listening to a, a true crime podcast and it's re- the story is revealed and you hear, oh my God, I'm so glad you're doing it. And I'm, I feel a little I'm ashamed like, inside. Oh. Like, oh, I don't know. But you know what? Fuck it. We're new. Yeah, we're new. We're brand new. We're like, still got amniotic fluid juices <laughs> on us. That's how new we are. <laughs> We got chunks of placenta in between our toes. Uh, <laughs> gross. Yes! All right, so Gerard Schaefer. I got my story from a book called Masking Evil, which is Ooh, brilliant. I love that name. Yes. I really like that name. It's, it's killers that are in your everyday life, which is killers in general. Anyway, yeah. you will hear more about that book. Uh, Wikipedia and Murderpedia, but most of it from Masking Evil. All right. <clears throat> so Gerard Schaefer, in his early life, was born March 25th. 1946 to Doris and Gerard Schaefer. So I guess he was Gerard Schaefer Jr. Uh, His dad was a salesman. He was the firstborn and his parents went on to have another girl and then another boy. They lived originally in Wisconsin, but moved to Georgia when the kids were small. 
They were hardcore Catholics <laughs> and sent their kids to religious school, just like me. It's always a good time. My parents were not hardcore Catholics, but the school thing's the same. Run by nuns, all that stuff. So, you know, it couldn't be that much fun. Um, Gerard was not happy at home because his dad favored his sister, Sarah. By the time he was 12, he started wearing his sister's underwear. Do we know if they were used or unused? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and just say they were clean. Okay. I have no idea. That's fair. Uh, here's a little note, and it was great. This book was great because they would random add like notes. Uh, boys who tend to have mommy issues, no, this is not a quote right from the book, <laughs> um, or feeling like unloved, can start wearing their mother's lingerie as it was a feeling to get close to her. So oh. some people believe this was kind of like a variation of this behavior. Okay. So I guess my thinking is mine, Julie's thinking, not a doctor, <laughs> is that he wanted to be a little bit more like Sarah so that he could feel closer to his dad, almost like doing this by proxy kind of thing. Cause okay. his dad preferred, I don't know. That's my theory. <clears throat> no, no, no. I think that that seems like a very yeah. reasonable theory. Like I, I totally get where, where you're going with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't get where he's going with no, it, right. but yeah. Uh, also, he found out, probably by some adult because he was 12, so you can't just come up with this by your own, on your own, um, but he found out about autoerotic asphyxiation and would take a rope into the local woods and half hang himself whilst masturbating. Oh. Yeah. You know who else did that? Tell me. Michael Hitchin- Hutchinson from In Excess, the band. And that's oh. how he died, unfortunately. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. That happens. It does. Yeah. Anywho. When he was 16, the family moved to Fort Lauderdale in Florida. He again was enrolled in Catholic school, but he didn't really fit in, especially when he started questioning religion stuff and the stories. Okay, don't do that in a Catholic school. All right. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Say your prayers and say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Amen. And walk the fuck out. When you're 17 and you graduate, you can have your own opinions. But as a Catholic, you cannot have your own opinion. Okay? Just shut the fuck up. Anyway, his IQ was 130. So that put him in the top 5% of the population. So he was a smart dude. He was a, quote, reluctant loner, is what they call them. As opposed to a happy loner who actively prefers his own company. So I guess, yeah. Uh, He would retreat to the Everglades during the weekend so he could kill animals for sport. We had a discussion about hunting once. Yeah. This is upsetting. At 18, he briefly got a girlfriend. I mean, he was was handsome and had a friendly and honest looking face. Most, Most of them do. He told his girlfriend that he liked to spy on his neighbor, Leah Hanlon. She, uh, when she sunbathed nude, sorry. Oh. Yeah, I was just concentrating on Hainlin. Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, so when she sunbathed, so can you imagine you're dating a guy and he's like, oh, I like to spy on my neighbor when she's nude. I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, You're not no. supposed to look at anybody else. No. Anyway, he said that Leah was just asking to be raped. Oh. Yeah. When you're on your own property doing your own fucking thing, you know what? She could be walking around butt-ass naked in the streets. Nobody's asking for that, you jackass. Anyway, oh. I got a little angry there. Oh, understandably so. So he also continued to indulge his peeping Tom ways and would peek at her through her bedroom window while she undressed. He also spied on one of her friends, her female friends. 
So he's like a good guy, you know, like he's just making sure that they're okay. Totally. You know, like yeah. just, you know, making sure nobody mm-hmm. else is there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great, what a stand up fellow. Like all around, just good dude. <laughs> After graduating, Schaefer, with all of his good habits, naturally decided to to be a priest. You don't say. Mm-hmm. As all, all people do. But thankfully, he was turned down. Now, let's think about this for a second. How many priests don't get turned down that should? And some reason, for some reason, he was turned down. Red flag. Mm, that's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not talking shit on Catholics, but talking shit on Catholics. No. Um, again, I would just like to say I was raised Catholic, but there are a lot of issues. With I'll talk priests. shit about. Okay. Never yeah. mind. No. You no. know what? If you're super religious, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> nope. anyway. Uh So as that, he was like super like, fuck you, church. And this is when he rejected the church and left and was like, screw you fucking Catholics. He said that. Well, he didn't actually say that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. So it. then he decided to, t- to take up creative writing. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good, so, good pastime. Hobby. Yeah. You know what? Like, when in doubt, just become an artist of some sort. Yes. Oops. Get into the arts. His teacher, um, being disturbed and alarmed by the fact that most of his stories were about the murders of young female victims, wow. referred to him to a, 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 give him a referral to a student counselor. He admitted to the counselor he had fantasies about butchering animals and defiling their carcasses. Oh, and then he also wanted to join the army so that he could kill men. <laughs> wow. But oh. he hadn't actually committed any crimes, so he wasn't referred to more intensive psychotherapy. They just said, okay, well, you have those fantasies. Thank you for telling me. Goodbye. Oh, my God. Not even, like, put on the radar of any sort of investigator or police. Like, that, student, that's yeah. scary. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, that's... really scary. I mean, I feel like that would happen now, but this was this was back in the day, right? Yeah, fair enough. But anyway, then I have... Uh, some say that his fantasies at, at this point ran so deep and was so ingrained in his mind that even psychotherapy probably wouldn't have helped at this point. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but... Not a doctor. He's pretty fucked up. Uh, So he went on to graduate with an associate's degree in business studies and then applied for a teacher training course. No. Now, this dude was obsessed with the thought of hanging teenage girls (gasps) and raping their corpses. So not a good choice for society and the safety of young girls. Mm -mm, mm -mm, Don't mm -mm. worry. He failed his preliminary exams. So he was sent a draft notice from the for the Vietnam War. Yay! And that was a Smart up, moves all I mean, around. They're all fucked up wars, but yeah. a lot of people were fucked up after that. Oh, yeah. The Vietnam War is a whole fucking seven-part podcast. It's yes. It's just disgusting. At his evaluation, for the, like to be enrolled in the war, he mm-hmm. was wearing women's underwear, probably because he knew they would be discovered during the physical exam, which they were. Mm-hmm. And a psychiatrist assessment found that he was unstable so he was deemed unfit to serve he later admitted that he also told the psychiatrist that he was contemplating suicide yeah wow so that same year it so this is 1968 now his parents divorced and that summer he started dating a girl called martha fogg they were married by december i love that name martha fogg martha fogg yeah it's a cool Aww. last name 
So note, here's another little note, unstable men will often push for a swift marriage, knowing that they cannot maintain a normal facade for a lengthy dating period. You hear that, girls? Okay. That's really interesting. So when you swipe right, and a month later, he's proposing. GTFO. Yes. Okay. Maybe not everybody's sure there's love stories out there, but maybe like just think about it for like a second. Okay. Be smart. Yes. That's, that's, be smart. You can still restart. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. And so, yeah, so after this and he got married, he returned to teacher training, even though he had failed his preliminary exam back, you know, a couple years prior. Uh, But shockingly, he had behaved inappropriately with his female teenage pupils while doing his student teaching in various high schools in 1969. Uh, he was asked to leave. What? No. Yeah. There's one one principal, I think he said, like, if I ever find out that, like, he was kind of, like, warning him, like, if I ever find out you try to apply to be a teacher again. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. So he continued to feel the rage towards uh, women who were slutty. And I'm saying slutty as in, like, you know, That's his the mind. he used. His and- mind were flighty or, you know. And told his acquaintance, I don't know who the acquaintance is, that his neighbor, remember Leah Hainlin, Mm -hmm. was a slut and didn't behave like a good Catholic girl. You know, because he was a fucking saint. Oh, he was the best of the best. He was was the pride and joy and... Cream of the crop. Leading example. Yes. On September 8th, 1969, he paid her a visit and she was never seen alive again. There was a little confusion at first because if she ran away or not, because she had told her husband she was leaving him for a family friend. You know, that really pisses me off sometimes when the when police and investigators first immediately go, she probably just ran away. Yeah. In new. I don't know if you've heard recently, Oshawa may or may not have a serial killer on the loose, but many people are going missing and there's been a few bodies turned up, but... The weird thing, not the weird thing, but the kind of crappy thing is their first instinct is to think that they've run away instead of going. Just now? Recently now? Yeah. This is not the torso killer guy, right? I think so. Because he's like, arrested. Oh, oh, so, okay. Me, I just was reading an article about this Oshawa uh, serial killer that was on the loose. And one of the problems with the investigation was the police and investigators immediately looked at a few of the missing people as just runaways. I think it's got it. Well, I don't know if it's him. I'm going to assume it's him. Yeah. Because he had killed them in 2008, two girls. And his, her torso was found and then they finally identified. And then when they went back to him, I want to say it was like last year, like 2017 or 2016. Yeah. They found her DNA in his apartment. Yes. Yes. This is, this is the story. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, we could be fucking up all these facts, by the way. I know that there's DNA in his apartment and it happened in 2008, but, uh, I think this, I think I know, you're I right. You, we should do this story one time. Uh, it like, was really, it's really fucked up. But. I don't like to do the story, like what we've talked about, doing recent stories. Yeah. There's a few that I kind of want to do. There's one I want to do, but it's it's too touchy when it's too recent. Absolutely. Um, like Bruce, like I can't, yeah. we can't. Um, but I also like to do it when like, I know what's happened with mm-hmm. their trial. Sometimes it takes so long. No, and also part, part of it too is the trial is very interesting and, and new evidence comes out during the trials that yeah. we don't, yeah. Obviously, no, but yeah, no, it was just when you were saying how at first she was just assumed to be a runaway. Mm-hmm. I always, it always seems to come up that when there's a missing person, 
especially in cases of missing Indigenous women, yes. it is a runaway first and foremost, and it fucking pisses me off. Can we please stop doing that? Like, fine, it's okay to assume, but let's look at the broader scope of it and go, maybe if there's actually foul play afoot. Yes. Well, yeah, in general, any like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just read an article um, yesterday and it's just so upsetting. And it's upsetting because it, it's information that you just didn't know was there. And it, I don't want to get into it right now, but it was about s- sterilization of indigenous women and how like they were essentially told, like, might as well get an abortion because your kid's going to get taken away from you anyway. Fuck. And then it was like almost like forced getting your tubes tied or whatever. And I'm like, you know, you're reading it and you're so mad and it's hard because like these people are like, this is affecting them now. Like they have had a whole life of not having kids because of a decision that jackasses and government and whatever has done. I just, it's too much. It's too much. And I kept thinking when I'm reading this, um, it's like the high, um, what do they call them? Sorry. The highway, um, Oh, oh my gosh! Yes, the um, like the highway murders. What the <clears throat> hell are they? It's the highway heaven, hi, hi, not heaven highway. Oh my god! Um, I, yes, I know exactly. <laughs> and what we're you're restored talking for about. not knowing, but it's it's true. It's it's those. It's like, how do you how do you cover all of that? Yeah, you, it's like you can because every single individual needs a whole fucking story told about her. It's true, and I do. I, and I, mean, I think it's respectful too to the victim to it, it, like, yeah. to go into each of their stories because. You don't want to just paint them like, no. oh, remember all these people. No, like they're individual. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's like one person, right? I don't think it's like one serial killer. It's different. Anyway. Yeah. It's a very complex topic. And we're like, obviously, we, yeah, we want to be respectful. Yes. And, but um, don't. Yeah. It, it's it's a very it's a big, huge stain on. Canada's history is huge, huge. Yes. And it, it still isn't being. And it's, I, mean, I can't it's, even understand the whole grasp of it. I know. That, yeah. And I feel like a jerk too, because it, I think it was about three or four years ago where I first learned about the schools. Oh. I had no, I was never taught it in school. Well, of course not. No, that's why it's, that's why it's come about because we, it's just swept under the rug. Well, it's, I went to school with probably 50% of the population in both my, in my high school, they were indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Still, know nothing. I knew fucking nothing, and yeah. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it so much. Yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah. Because I, w- I, I will be very honest. I had a very negative opinion because of who I, I grew. My, my biological father is a fucking racist piece of shit. Sorry. He, he. You know, it was his um, understanding of, you know, the things that Canada was giving them that was. Oh well, why don't we get this too? Why don't you get, you know? And I and I I was like, you're right, blah blah blah. You're absolutely right, Dad, because you're my hero. And it wasn't until like wow. years later, as I start learning more and more and more, that I'm like, holy shit, I'm a I'm an asshole. Well, you, I mean, that's how you were raised in yes. a sense that you know the, the uh, education, yeah. and understanding. Yeah saves the world and that's that's what all this is happening like people are speaking out people are telling their horrible stories and Mm -hmm. that's what we need because apparently the thing on this article was that shit like that is still happening i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me right now um but yeah i shouldn't talk about the article without getting all the facts like but i read it and i was just disgusted yeah okay anyways okay so anyway who who went disappearing leah Leah, her, his, the neighbor, went disappearing, and she was originally considered a runaway. Um, yeah, that's what they had thought. But, by the way, just to let you know, mm-hmm. Jenna, 
Later, her locket was found in the house of Gerard Schaefer. What? That he was living in at that now with his mother and wife. Uh, it was found with a little bit of a um, foreshadowing here. It was found with other trophies. No. Yeah, of victims. Hmm. He killed some people, Jenna. What? I know. He's this shining example of Christian... Oh, of course. He's, you know, he's, he's a shit, man. Uh, Leo's skull was found nine years later, by the way, but oh. not identified until 2004. What? Mm-hmm. I wonder why. I wonder why that was. Well, but. yeah. So later in 1969, nine-year-old Peggy Ron and eight-year-old Wendy Stevenson were seen with a young man resembling Gerard Schaefer, after which they disappeared and were never seen again. He would eventually tell a girlfriend later on, by the way. Someone that, else wanted to that, date this piece of that, shit? That marriage didn't last. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he eventually told, yes, tell a girlfriend later on that he had murdered and cannibalized both children, frying parts of their flesh with peppers and onions. Mm. And he wrote short stories about how it was to, uh, how... How easy, sorry, how easy it was to permanently hide bodies in the woods or on construction sites. Uh. These are his confessions. <laughs> so again, that creative writing came in. Much later in prison, by the way, he went to prison. Oh! <laughs> Probably to avoid being labeled a pedophile, he would claim that he hadn't sexually assaulted them, saying that he just wanted to experience what it was like to eat a human human flesh to eat human flesh as he w had been reading about the exploits of cannibalistic serial killer albert fish oh my god and you mm. talked about albert fish last, last week time. i know yeah. it all comes around jenna all coming back all coming, coming back, back to me, me now. now every episode we have to sing celine, celine. wait how do you celine celine, celine dion dion we oui. So the following year after Peggy and Wendy disappeared, Martha, his wife, filed for divorce claiming extreme cruelty. <gasps> you go, girl. So then Gerard went abroad to Europe and North Africa for a change of scenery. He would later tell investigators that he killed teenage girls throughout this extended trip. At this time, gotta love the 70s, hitchhiking was common and girls often traveled with a friend. So they weren't even reported for months later. By which the time had the trail had gone cold. Yeah. No bueno. When he returned to the States, he started working as a security guard. Oh, that's always good. Yep. And soon married Teresa. I don't have her last name. though. didn't say in the book. Uh, who was several years younger than him. Yeah. And guess where he was accepted? No. No. Want to no. guess? Tell me. Tell me, Jenna. What do you think? He, for a job. He didn't become a teacher again, did he? No, he didn't, Jenna. <laughs> did he become a priest? The police force! <gasps> Fuck off! Yeah, at Wilton oh, Manors. No. So just when you think he could have become a priest or a teacher, no, 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 he took it one step more further. But he had an argument with the police chief in 1972, shocking, and tried transferring to Broward County. They ended up conducting a psychological test before hiring him, which he failed. He was rejected from the Broward County. Feeling better, Jenny? Jenna? Bit, Jenny. Yeah, call me Jenny. <laughs> Feeling better, Jenna? Just don't call me late for dinner. Wait. Uh-oh. He now forges a letter of recommendation and takes it along to Martin County and was hired as a deputy sheriff. 
He just loved his new position and the power it gave him. This dude wasn't like well, I wrote, wasn't even stable enough to be a teacher, but here he is. On July 21st, 1972, a month after getting his post, he was driving along with his uh, in his patrol car and saw two girls hitchhiking. He was alone? Yep. Fuck. 18-year-old Nancy Trotter and her friend, 19-year-old Pamela Wells, hitchhiking on the roadside. He gave them a lift to the beach and said that he would take them back there the following day. He lectured them gently about the dangers of accepting lifts from strangers, and they were delighted to know that they were in safe hands. The next day, Saturday, he picked up the girls at their holiday accommodation and said he would show them a historical monument, so he he needed to drive further to a remote part of Martin County. When he reached the woods, he ordered them out of the car, handcuffed both women, and looped a noose around Nancy's neck before fastening uh, fastening it to a tree. He balanced her on a large root and pointed out that if she lost her footing, she would be hanged to death. He tied Pamela now to another tree and then left the scene when his police radio alerted him to the fact that he needed, he was needed at work. He warned the girls not to move and that he would return. No. Fortunately, Nancy managed to struggle free from the noose and she ran to the roadside in a distressed state and flagged down a car. So I guess she was still handcuffed because I was thinking when I was reading this, I'm like, why did she untie Pamela? But uh, the police were called. No. He was not there. He was in somewhere else. Ew. And freed an equally distressed Pamela. When Schaefer returned to the scene, he found both victims were gone and knew that they would have reported this attempt, attempted murder to the police. So he drove back to headquarters and get this, told his superiors that he had pretended to hang the girls to frighten them as they had laughed when he warned them about the dangers of hitchhiking. He even admitted he had gone too far. What the fuck? <sighs> Don't worry too much. He was charged with false imprisonment and aggravated assault. But. Uh, I knew there was a but. I knew there was a but. There's, There's more papers here, Jenna. Oh, shit. After two months was released on his own recognizance awaiting trial. It was thought that he was given preferential treatment because he had been a police. He had been in the police force. Well, no fucking shit. Well, now the former deputy sheriff figured, meh, he was going to go to jail for a long time. So why stop acting out his fantasies? He's got nothing to lose. Uh. On September 27th, 1972. So again, he, this happened in July. So on September, he was still 26. He befriended 17-year-old Susan Place and 16-year-old Georgia Jessup. I think it's Jessup. J-E-S-S-U-P. Mm-hmm. Uh, telling them that his name was Jerry. Susan told her mom he met, uh, she met him at the beach and they'd, he'd be taking them back there later that day. Mrs. Place did not like this man, no fucking shit, and wrote down his license plate number. Good the, girl. The girls didn't listen to Mrs. Place and insisted on going with him and they were never seen alive again. Fuck. So six months later, their bodies cut in half, were found partially buried in Blind Creek. Mm. Schaefer's fantasy included dismemberment, and he was also known to own extremely sharp knives. October 23rd, 1972, the following month, two 14-year-old girls disappeared while hitchhiking to the shops. I think it's the local shops. Uh, Elsie Farmer's remains were found on a construction site near a school campus the following 
the following year, and her jewelry was located at Gerard Schaefer's home. Her friend Mary Briscolina's body was discovered at that site the following month. The bodies were too decomposed to figure out the cause of death, and they were only identified through dental records. Schaefer later confessed to both homicides, but at the time they were so decomposed they didn't they couldn't they couldn't charge anybody because they didn't know how they died. Okay, right. In December, so two months later, he uh, was tried for the false imprisonment of Nancy Trotter and Pamela Wells, and was given a six-month suspended sentence. The judge, believing his story that he was just trying to teach the girls a lesson, he. He was told by the court that he behaved like a fool. His wife and mother stood by, by him, and the judge regarded him as basically a good family man who made one mistake. Oh my God. Schaefer was free to continue his killing spree. This is infuriating. Yep. So that was December. In January 8th, 1973, two 19-year-olds disappeared as they hitchhiked from Iowa to Florida. The driver's license of both Colette Goodenough and Barbara Wilcox were found in Sh Gerard Schaefer's home, along with several of Colette's teeth. Ew. No, there's, I know. Their skeleton remains were discovered in, forest, in a forest in Port St. Lucie, Florida, in 1977. Finally, someone was like, hey, shit, you know what? There's a lot of hitchhikers going missing. So investigators finally turned their attention to Schaefer. Oh, mm -hmm. what? Yeah, about time. Because they're like, oh, yeah, remember that weird thing he did when he was a cop? Yeah, that was weird. And a search of his mother's home found a trunk filled with photographs of his dead victims. Oh, shit. Including one photograph of a dead nude male. Many of their bodies had been mutilated, and he also kept some of the bones. They also found his stories, his artistic release, if you will, which drew on actual murderous events and the sketches which he had made of hanged women. Uh, no. Mm -hmm. There no, were no, no. also clippings of cutout females from newspapers and magazines with drawn nooses around their neck. Schaefer was arrested and tried for the murder of Susan Place and Georgia Jesuit. Uh, Mrs. Place, Susan's mother, had identified him as the man that had driven them and George's handbag had been found in Schaefer's house. He was using it to store a gun and ammunition. The authorities decided to concentrate on this case because this is a case that the evidence was so strong. Okay. So they just wanted to, like, get this guy. So even though there was a lot of, at this point, suspects, kind yeah. of like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. But they're like, no, let's just get this guy, at least for these. Yeah, because I guess with with... I mean, going through all the murders that he committed, that's a lot of information to try and process. So when you hone down and you focus on just one specific case, probably everything else will fall into place. Yeah. You see patterns like this is yeah. it's a very interesting story to hear because I'm trying to go through and go, OK, is this a disorganized serial killer? Is this someone who's very organized and calculated? And it seems like he is a very organized serial killer with knee-jerk reactions to mm -hmm. things that don't go his way. Mm -hmm. So you've got a sporadic, like, path of, of bodies that he has left. And it the the evidence could be so overwhelming to prosecutors and investigators that they may not, they may fault. There's yeah. something along the And like, if, if they, all they have for a lot of these murders are just photographs, I mean, I think that that seals the deal. But where 
in um, Susan's case, uh, Susan and George's case, like there's an eyewitness. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, she did have the license plate, which eventually That's right. matched him. And then on top of that, have the purse and everything like that. So it was like more concrete. So yeah, I could see how, and then they could, I guess, try for more. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah. So also Gerard kind of damned himself by his own words as he wrote an essay on how to get away with murder. Oh, wow. Suggesting how to torture, tie a noose, hang them and dispose of the body. He wrote how kidnapping two women at a time was a good idea as their guards are down. Oh my God. He also wrote how he liked making one girl hurt or kill the other girl to delay their own torture and death. Holy shit. Yes. Yes. He's a piece of shit. October 1973, he was found guilty and was sentenced to life in prison, whereupon his second wife served him with divorce papers. Fun. Got a quickie divorce and then soon after married his attorney. No, no, no. <laughs> like It's what? funny, but at the same time, it's shitty because like this woman, why would you marry the defense attorney who tried to whatever? Like she see, does she not see the evi- like the very clear evidence against him? And, yeah, I don't know. and and I mean, I guess he's just doing his job in a sense. That's why I don't know how you can. I still like. I don't know. Oh hi, darling. Even though I know every all, all most of the murders that you've committed and all this evidence that's stacked against you, you seem like such a kind-hearted and. Well, no, well, no, no. Whatever. She she had married him before all this, so then she divorced him and married his attorney. Oh wait, so so okay. no, no. She was married. Yeah, so she was married to Gerard. Yeah, this is uh, Teresa. Oh, Remember, I'm Teresa. thinking that he married his attorney. No, 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 no. Sorry, now <laughs> that makes sense. Who was a female at the time? Like who yeah, was no. a female attorney? Okay, no, this My is a bad. male attorney. Jenna's not paying attention. No, it's okay. You're just there's a lot of happening. There's with a murders. lot going on. Okay, well, good um, for her then. I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. they lived happily ever after. Who knows? Uh, Schaefer in jail, prison, whatever you call it there, began communicating with a Filipino woman who started off as his pen pal, Mm -hmm. and he then married her while in prison. But after she got her green card, she too filed for divorce. Mm. Okay. As the years passed slowly, he became very bored, and in 1983, he offered to take investigators to 34 murder sites in Florida so that they could solve their missing persons case. But they did not take him up on this offer. Thank God. He yeah. didn't deserve anything. He probably would figure out a way to escaping, too. Yeah. Or just he just he just wants the satisfaction of like leaving the prison and like getting driven around. Yeah. No. He continued to be a pain in the ass, filing mm-hmm. lawsuits against the prison and against various true crime writers for describing him <laughs> as a serial killer. Leave oh, wow. the fucking true crime writers alone. Yeah. Because uh, he protested his innocence to the outside world, but he boasted to the other prisoners about all of his many crimes. Are you kidding me? I'm sorry. You you go to you go to investigators and say I'm going to take you to 33 uh, locations where my bo- like bodies are buried. How the fuck do you think you can say? Oh, but I was innocent. To I know. The outside See, this world. is like this is he. It was kind of like this. He kept this facade up for a while. Not very smart. So while incarcerated in Stark or Starkey Stark, Florida. Schaefer became friends with serial killer, you might have heard of this guy, Ted Bundy. <gasps> no. Teddy Boy had killed 34 women, whereas Schaefer was suspected to only have murdered, uh, to have murdered 34. Sorry, Teddy Board. My God, did I screw that up? 
Tahiti Boy had killed 33 women, whereas Schaefer was suspected to have murdered 34. Ah, so Schaefer had one up on oh Teddy. Oh my god. They also compared notes about their age of their victims, where Ted's youngest was 12, whereas Schaefer's youngest was were 8 and 9. Ew. Schaefer was upset when Ted Bundy was put to death by electrocution. But later that same year, he started a new romance with a former high school girlfriend, Sandra London. After she wrote to him and he quickly replied. Determined to remain popular in the public's eye, he managed, with the help of Sandra, to get two books of his short stories published. He insisted that his stories were art, while police and prosecutors described them as a thinly veiled description of actual crimes. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. uh, so in private letters to attorneys and acquaintances, Schaefer admitted as much himself. Uh, witness of his reference to a story titled Murder Demons in a letter dated April 9th, 1991. He says, what crimes am I supposed to confess? Farmer? Briscolina? What do you think Murder Demons is? You want a confession, but you don't recognize them when I anoint you with them and, you've, and you, we've just gotten started. Other correspondents swiftly raised the body count as well. These are letters he wrote. As you know, he wrote on January 20th, 1991, I've always harped on District Attorney Robert Stone's list of 34. In 1973, I sat down and drew up a list of my own. As I recall, my list was just over 80. The next Whoa. day, given more time to reflect, Schaefer went on, I'm not claiming a huge number. I would say it runs 80... And between 80 and 110. Holy shit. But over eight years and three continents, this is him, one whore drowned in her own vomit while watching me disembowel her girlfriend. I'm not sure if that counts as a valid kill. Did the pregnant ones count as two kills? <gasps> it can get confusing. Whole no. This is the, him. Uh, this is him. I'm like sweating. Yeah. He's disgusting. I have like this weird cold sweat that is. I wonder if, like, mm. I know, I sometimes feel like, is it like they're ghosts of. Blah. He also got in touch at this point because, again, he just wanted to be like known in a sense with a missing persons agency offering to point out which of the missing females on their books were murdered by him. He added that he had been linked to 170 victims, but only six corpses were found. Oh, and by the way, this is for you, which I was wondering if you wouldn't recognize this voice, mm -hmm. uh, not this voice, the name. Uh, Sandra London, his girlfriend, his former high school girlfriend, ended mm -hmm. up, ended her association with Schaefer in 1991 after she began a relationship with another serial killer. You might have heard of him. Danny Rowling. <gasps> You're fucking kidding. Are you fucking serious? This was the last Holy note. Shit. I didn't. This, look at this is handwritten because it wasn't even part of my story. And I was double checking things on Wikipedia. When I heard that, I was like. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Oh. How is everything all coming around? How? Everything. Because there was something else that I had said, and you're like, oh, we just said that or earlier on, and now I'm thinking, oh my God, just wait. When I saw Danny Rowling, I'm like, are you kidding me? Holy By the crap. way, that was the Gainesville murders that Jenna did last mm -hmm. episode. Yep. Yes. She, this is just a side note that I'm adding here. Sandra collaborated with Rowling on The Making of a Serial Killer, the true story of the Gainesville murders in the serial killer's own words. So, oh my God. Oh my God. Like yeah. I'm like shaking right now. Part this of me is crazy. was wondering, like, did she actually date these people? Like in the sense, I mean, they're in jail, so she can say whatever she wants or she, yeah. cause she's a true crime writer. So was she just saying these things just so she can get close, to, close to them to get a good story? Is she, I want, is she still alive? Uh, 
I'm going to say yes. Sandra, I have, give us I a have, call. We want to talk to you. I have Seriously. no, uh, Sandra, S-O-N. Sandra, Sandra. I have no idea, but I'm, I'm going to assume yes, because that's my assumption. I mean, give her the benefit of the doubt. It's for research purposes. And that's why she did this. But, or is she a groupie serial killer? Like she actually likes that shit. I'm curious why, why, yeah. what, what is it about it? Like it's the whole Ted Bundy, like, uh, yeah. Mm, Cause they say oh st- God, began a relationship, but I'm thinking, does a relationship mean a lovey one or does it just mean I, she's just curious. Like, you know, she's, she's a true crime writer. So she wants yeah. to get in there. So I don't actually know if it's that, but in the story, she said, they said that she started dating, dating. um, Schaefer or he started a relationship so was it in his eyes a relationship I don't actually know if they mm. were kind of romantically involved or she just wanted to get her stories yeah. his stories out but um, there was something that I did read that because he said he was innocent like he just kept saying I'm innocent I'm innocent I'm innocent okay. so when she published the, her book which was filled with his short stories I mean his short stories were I never I did not read them mm-hmm. I will not read them um but I'm not saying not to, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the book, but you can tell like he's fucked up. Yeah. Anyway. So other prisoners didn't like him. He was a snitch. And what does snitch get? <laughs> um, they've, he passed information on to the guards so he could get favors. And he was further hated because he was a former police officer. Not a very good one, though. Nope. Because he had such a bad rep, the other prisoners would throw shit at him. And by shit, I mean feces. Oh, they actually threw shit. shit at him. I don't know if I'm happy about that. I kind of feel like I'm a little bit happy about that because he totally deserved it and worse. But that's I know. A, but that's gross stuff. Anyways. Yeah. So on December 3rd, 1995, one of his enemies entered his cell and stabbed him over 40 times wow. with a crudely fashioned knife. The killer, Vincent Rivera, Rivera <clears throat> already serving a sentence for double murder, also gouged out Schaefer's eyes. Unfortunately, with his death means a lot of families of missing women in Florida have lost the opportunity to find out if this piece of shit ex-cop was behind the demise of their loved ones. People still to this day are searching for answers. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's why, like... When I thought Gerard Schaefer, his name sounded familiar, but I didn't know his story. And he share, he became friends with Ted Bundy. Yeah. Like, and if, I mean, it's, Ted Bundy is such a big story. Huge. This guy killed, like, you know, how do you rate, so this guy killed more than Ted Bundy, but. Ted Bundy. You said Bunny. Bunny? I, Ted Bunny. That's a different <laughs> story. <laughs> That's a different Ted, person. He's a cartoonist. He's a, <laughs> who works for, I don't know. He's a little bunny that hops around. <laughs> little called bunny, Teddy. Little bun, bunny Teddy. Never mind. Teddy Anyways. <sighs> yeah. I, like, I, that was a very gripping story. I'm sitting here sort of like not sure how to process it. Yeah. And wow. Holy shit. That was, uh, that was awesome. When I saw that information about ted bundy um <laughs> i was like shit yeah let's just call him ted bunny i think we should but it's too cute for such a That's jackass true. fair fair um and then it was like i said it's handwritten so i have printed out oh. pic, um, my story is printed out and i saw this last minute after i printed it out and i thought you've got to be fucking kidding me right now but yeah ah uh, awesome job i mean she must be Again, still alive unless she awesome died of something horrible she would still be somewhat young yeah like if he was born in 1946, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note. Let's 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 pin this. Let's pin this, and I'm gonna Sandra I'm gonna look London. up to see if. Uh, I mean, I could probably look that shit up right you now. Good, but 
while you do that, yeah, can I uh, can I go pee? Yes, I gotta pee. Okay, <laughs> I thought we, yeah, I'm I'm nervous. That was uh, how do I follow up with that? Like you can, you're gonna do just fine. So. You can have okay. I just Wikipedia this because we paused it and I was like, oh my gosh, here are trying to say like, oh maybe Sandra London didn't like love them or whatever. I'm sorry, I just googled her ass and it says Sandra London is a controversial American true crime author, a one-time girlfriend of convicted murderer, suspected serial killer, uh, Gerard Schaefer, and the fiancé of convicted serial killer, Danny Rowling. So she definitely had a romantic interest in these pieces of shit. Gross! Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. That's all I got. So she's still alive. That's fucking gross! Yeah. Look at her. Look at this. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, okay. Well, that's a thing. Oh, did you want to see my? Sorry, do you want to see my good friend, Gerard? That that's him when he's younger. Oh, uh, then he's getting a little older. And look at how oh my God. disgusting and gross he is there. This will be posted on our Instagram. Ew. As well as all of the jewelry found at his house from the his victims. And his, a couple of oh, his that's drawings. Gross. That's gross. But I'm not posting a lot because some of them were horrific. Oh my God. That's disgusting. Yeah. Ew. Ew, ew, ew. Yeah. Oh, uh, he kind of looks like John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, eh? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So. No. I don't know how I'm going to start this because I didn't actually write an intro. So this is. Just get right into it. All right. We don't need to. I didn't write an intro. I I went right into it. You did. George Schaefer, when were we born? March 25th, 1940-something. You did. Yeah. Usually I do intros because I like to do a lead up, but I'm not going to. Here's what, here's what I'm going to talk about. Lately, we've been talking about... This is your intro, by the way. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess this is. Like, last week, uh, Julie and I were talking about... We do uh, talk. Paul Holes. Uh, who oh, worked on the Golden State Killer case. Yeah, and he did. did an immaculate job. And one of the things I think we pointed out was more and more of us true crime lovers are are paying attention to those key people in these investigations and the FBI who make, who bring all these people to justice. Yeah. Uh, and one person in particular is a gentleman named Robert Ressler. Mm-hmm. Robert Ressler is a very, very important person in the history of psych- psychological criminal profiling. Yep. He is, you can actually see a lot of, not him personally, but the characters in Mindhunter are loosely based off of him and hit one of his p- partners. Okay. Um, I believe it was John Douglas. Have you watched Mindhunters yet? No. It's fucking brilliant tv show yes it's on netflix it's a is it true crime it is yeah we look at story we look at shows like mindhunter which really pulled a lot of uh robert wrestler's uh research and understanding of the criminal brain to write and and be there as accurate as possible in that show and for good reason he when you think of criminal profiling, when you think of the psychology around sociopaths and psychologists, this is the man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'd like to talk about him today. And okay. I'd like to go into some of the 
cases or, or some of the interviews that he got to conduct with some of the most infamous serial killers hmm. of our time. All right. All right. I had a lot of fun. Educate me. I had a lot of fun doing this. This is cool because you um, get like a little bit of everything. You do. Yeah. And I think it is important to give recognition to the people who are are doing the good thing. Like doing- It's true. You're right. Right. If anything, it's like, well, it's, it's not like we want to give recognition to serial killers. No, 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 no. Not yeah. At all. You're like, yeah. A lot of that stuff sometimes goes yeah, unnoticed like, or un, um, under the radar. Yeah. It's not not underappreciated. It's it's no. just kind of under the radar because I think right now we're seeing a huge trend in true crime and understanding and the understanding of a serial killer comes from talking about their story and mm-hmm. what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but breaking it down comes from the after part of it where it's people like Paul Holes and Robert uh, Kessler or sorry, Robert uh, Russell. I'm going to say Kessler because <laughs> I there was someone who I was researching also who had the last name. Kessler, yeah, and this is wrestler, wrestler, yeah. Okay. I mean, and there's also sorry, I know you have to start. And there's also a lot when it comes to law enforcement. A lot of officers don't get recognition, nor can they get recognition because because they have of to, their uh, position. Yeah, yeah. There's this, I know That's in situations yeah. that. They do the arrest. Mm-hmm. When the media comes, they actually leave and other officers, uniform officers are there and the uniform officers are giving the um, interviews and whatnot. Oh. Yes. So even though- I guess for safety. Certain people might have not actually been the ones who arrested them. Yeah. And certain divisions or groups or whatnot, they're the ones behind it all. They don't get any recognition, nor a good cop in general shouldn't need it in a sense. Yeah. I mean, yes, you want to know that, but no, they can't. So they oh. have to leave. That does make sense. And I had, but I had no idea, mm-hmm. but I guess that, yeah, that's a good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. There's some shit there. Okay. Alrighty. Go. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the resources that I pulled, um, my information from were from a discovery channel documentary called the man who lives with monsters. I highly recommend it to our listeners and to you, Julia, watch it. Uh, okay. You're going to laugh at me, but I watched a YouTube video by this channel called top tens with a Z. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's not like, you know top 10 favorite moments from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's more or less like a very serious autobiographical type of top 10 uh, channel. Encyclopedia.com, Wikipedia, obviously, and criminaltraveler.org. So I, I, I really, I got way too into this. Yeah. I just scratched the surface. So um, Robert Ressler was born February 21st, 1937, and sadly passed away on May 5th, 2013. Hmm. He grew up in Chicago, and it was here where the young Robert's fascination with the lipstick killer created the everlasting oh. love of true crime. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the lipstick killer was William George Hirons. <clears throat> uh, he, he was a convicted serial killer who murdered three people, Josephine Ross, who was 43, Francis Brown, who was 33, and unfortunately, Susan Degan- uh, sorry, Degna- Dagnan, who was six. He kidnapped... Susan and right out of her bedroom and took her away and her body was found in a sewer. Well, pieces of her body and then later the whole body. Uh, It is usually said to be the very first case the FBI recognized as a killer with a pattern or as we call them now, a serial killer. Have have you looked into that murder? I skimmed the surface. Okay. Because 
there's not a hundred percent proof that he's done all three. What? And there's a people think that he actually is in jail, but he didn't actually commit <gasps> them. And some of them aren't even linked together. Really? Where the writing in the letter and one of them and the writing in the lipstick. Yeah. Were two different people. Some people even theorize that the lipstick writing was like, um, like a journalist who had come in and just <gasps> wrote, written on it to make it more interesting. Oh, anyway. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I w- just just heard about the serial killers, uh, the lipstick murder. Song. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like they caught him, but did they really? Anyway. I just kind of wanted to do Cole's notes because just oh, in yes, case, no, of course, we wanted to do that. That's what I was thinking yeah. too. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, these murders you're talking about, can we not do them? But yeah. yes, we can. So that's, I, I just, I want to just preface that most of these are just Cole's notes. Please look them up yourself or wait until we cover we them. We do them. Yeah. Don't yeah. look them up. Uh, wait, it'll happen. So I apologize if I give too much information. I tried to hone it in and, and like just give. Yeah. Anyways, but uh, yeah, I, I had no idea. That's no, fascinating. Yeah, that's why I'm like, <gasps> I, I just know. So I'm like, should I just listen to the story? And I'm like, no, I want to say something. But, well, it, um, it, I mean, if he's not, a, if he's not, a, he's definitely ser- a murderer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, wrestler, a wrestler was actually credited mm. to to have coined, uh, credited with coining the term serial killer. Yes. So, and, and yes, he was because uh, that wasn't that, that story that I was listening to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, and, and with the case of the lipstick killer, it said that uh, anybody who murders anywhere between three and sometimes in certain cases, four people then get the label of serial killer. So that's sort of why the lipstick killer was such a, an important case to, I guess, the criminal psychology uh, and and his and and Robert uh, wrestlers, um, oh my God, words brain. <laughs> Robert wrestlers' love of psychology in crime came about because of this case. Mm-hmm. After two years at community college, wrestler joined the U.S. Army, but instead wanted to pursue a career in criminology. So he left and enrolled in Michigan State U and graduated with a bachelor's degree in criminology. He returned to the army after only one semester into his grad work because he got he he was offered a, a very prominent role, uh, which was the criminal investigation supervisor and military police oper- operations and intelligence off- officer. It was a pretty big role, yeah. to, big shoes to fill. So um, he decided to leave in 1970 when he was offered a, a job in the FBI. So we often ask ourselves. Why do these people do what they do? That's exactly what Robert wanted to find out. So he was really fascinated with with the human brain and, and serial killer brains. You know, <laughs> yeah, yep. um, his own motivation for combining psychology and criminal cases was just that motive. His big pull was he wanted to find out why these people did it and wanted to figure out what their motive was. So in 1974, the BSU, which is the uh, Behavioral Science Unit, was formed and wrestler teamed up with John Douglas, who is the inspiration behind Ford Holden and Mindhunter, which okay. we'll see. Okay. Yeah. And Roy Hazelwood to profile hundreds of cases that the FBI just hit dead ends with and also who were asked to be a part of because they realized the research was so important and actually proved to be useful. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So John Kosak was the chief detective on one of the most horrific serial killer cases of all time. The disgusting story of John Wayne Gacy, who sexually assaulted, Ugh. tortured, and then murdered 33 teenage boys, boys and young men between 1972 and 1978, 
was close to being over. Kosek's team had been surveilling Gacy for some time, and when the news broke that detectives got a warrant to search Gacy's house in 1978, Ressler offered to help the detectives. Yep. Because he saw potential in using the BSU's skills to profile this calculated type serial killer. His first advice to the investigators was look for personal effects from the victims and see if relatives could identify those objects. It proved a huge leap in the case. Just like you're talking in yours, mm-hmm. the, the collecting of trophies is mm-hmm. one thing to always look for in organized serial killers. And, and Rustler once said, organized serial killers are the most dangerous ones. Yes. And as you'll hear, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing that for so long people have gone, oh, science has no role in crime because they're just, they're murderers or there's yep. nothing, there's, they just do what they do. Yep. A- and we're now here at a point where we do think about psychology Every time a murder is committed. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. That's why it's I, it's, I it, really like this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it, uh, wow. All right. <laughs> there were supposed to be words, but I wanted to say so many things that I didn't know. It's true. You just keep thinking like, why, why do you think like this? Why do you do this? Why do you, why are you like this? Like, was it something that went wrong? Were you born this way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something that I don't think we'll ever fully. Well, who knows? I don't. I don't think we'll fully, fully. Can you imagine if there's a pill, if you could like take a blood test and you're like, yeah, you could maybe be a serial killer. <gasps> Here's a pill. You know, there uh, there's neurologists who are doing studies on the brain and looking and comparing nor quote unquote normal human brains versus serial killer brains. They see a huge difference in pattern in the frontal. Yes. Was is there's a, a thing on Netflix. Oh, it's like um, inside the mind of a serial killer. I believe that's what it's called. Yeah. Or there's one that's called that for sure. Or it's something like that. But it's it's the first episode is is about brain scans yeah. and all that stuff. About certain areas are I almost like dead, that. like the area that's like um, the hippocampus. Yes. I know what that is. <laughs> I know that word. That one. Frontal cortex. Is that the one where they think and have feelings from? I don't. I'm not you know sure. Let's not, let's not talk about brain parts when we don't know anything about it. Well. We'll look into it. Yeah. Pin it. <laughs> um, but it is it is hard to determine if a killer is classified as an organized serial killer or not. Uh, it usually hmm. involves looking for clues that the killer showed planning, forethought, and cunning. Okay. So you kind, those are the three key things to look for. And it, it might not just be like physical things. It's, it's more so personality traits and the way they go about their m- murdering. Does that make sense? Like, well, as long as they've had forethought to it. Yes. Like, it's, it's like the difference between manslaughter and first degree murder. Or I don't know what second degree is. But manslaughter is like you're in the moment and then you kill somebody. Where first degree, you're planning it. And then. And, but then if you're a serial killer, you plan it all the time. Yes. Okay. I got this. I'm so good. <laughs> you are. <laughs> These people maintain full control over their lives as well and how they right. appear to those around them. Right. Yep. So they're they're so living among amongst us. Yeah. Th- these are people who put on this sh- this show and this mask of I'm I'm awesome, I'm amazing, I'm well kept together. You know, look at me. Uh, almost self-centered, but won't that they don't let people clue into that. Mm-hmm. Do you know does yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Gacy even invited Rustler to his, his execution, but on May 10th, 1994, Gacy was executed by lethal injection and Rustler was refused to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That would be hard to see. 1974. A man who should get no introduction. Ted Bundy was off on his killing spree that continued until 1978 and included a successful escape in 1975 as he continued to murder like a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. His victims were young girls and women who fit the profile of all looking alike, brown hair, parted, and who were petite. Strangely, uh, it's noted that all of his victims showed a striking resemblance to his girlfriend, his first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Her name was Stephanie. And I, I'm not going to go into full detail here because I think there's so much well-researched information. Yeah. Highly recommend, and I passed it on. Uh, please, 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 if you are in, interested in learning a really gripping and beautifully horrific uh, account of Ted Bundy, please read The, uh, the Stranger Beside Me by Ann Rule. It is the, it's, I, yeah, yeah. I think that it speaks for, it, it speaks for itself. Uh, but he confessed to 30 homicides, but it's believed he actually committed more. So Ressler said in an interview that he was afraid that Bundy got into his head more than he got into Bundy's head. So even even just like asking him questions, he Bundy was the one who would turn the key to let him in. Right. And kept, and Ressler knew that immediately while sitting down with him. He he even state like stated this guy was not going to let me in until he was ready. Not even ready, but wanting him to come in. Mm-hmm. And he still doesn't know who was in control of the situation and said that Bundy was a master of his game. Yeah. Because he was. I watched this document, the documentary uh, on Discovery, and I'm watching the part about him talking about this interview with Ted Bundy and they're showing these pictures. And as they're showing these pictures, you're hearing uh, wrestlers account of the way he was poised and presented himself. And then you see these pictures come up. And at first I'm so decent. I'm, I'm so desensitized to this that I kind of brush it off, but I'm, I'm these pictures are coming up and coming up and my, my fucking heart just sunk into my stomach because yeah. I just, there, there was something about it. And at one point, they have this picture of Bundy with his eyes like so wide, yeah. just zooming in to the into the camera, and you're going closer and closer. And I almost vomited because I was like, "Yep, nope, I'm out. I have to, I have to check out. This is too much. It was too much, yeah. so I had to stop." Because hearing it from a, a, a criminal profiler of this, um, with this much experience, and hearing himself say that he was uh, like really. shaken by this person as a as a viewer and as a consumer of true crime you become uh, rattled almost like i mean i have a hard time in general like i always say it's different to listen to it mm -hmm. than see it and the crime shows which i even love to watch it's very hard especially when they see i see like crime photos Mm -hmm. i have a hard time still digesting those i'm not desensitized and like photos of killers i always feel like if i look at this too much like is he still gonna even though this person's dead yeah are they gonna like take a piece of my soul like they look like they're like soul sucking or they're just or the dead eyes or yeah yeah it i i like crime scene photos interest me i like taking i like looking at them to sort of see what uh, investigators see 
like right first in the get-go but yeah. i totally respect and understand that not everyone can do that not everyone it, although uh lovers of true crime and really enjoying reading about this and understanding it, it there's still a line that gets crossed and some people yeah can't go past it and some people have like a sort of a boundary that they have to stick within and with people like ted bundy it's that line gets crossed yeah. it's just it, it was hard it was really it was fascinating don't get me wrong it's not really a negative but it was very hard to digest okay uh here's a very this was an interesting thing that i that really chilled me to the bone when guards went to bundy's cell after he was executed they claimed to have found one of wrestlers books on serial killers Oh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, but you've interviewed. You've already interviewed. Been interviewed by Rustler. You were able to give him what he wanted or not what he wanted. But then you go and read read a book. It's just. It's there's something really eerie about it. After the interview with Bundy, Rustler and his team created the National da- Database. A collection of unsolved and unsolved homicides and missing persons where foul play was detected. In 1978, for the first time, Ressler was part of an active investigation. He received a call from the Sacramento Police Department. Earlier that evening, 22-year-old Teresa Wallen was murdered in her home. Detectives said the victim was murdered in such a gory way that even police couldn't handle the crime scene. Mm -hmm. It's gross. The description of fecal matter in her mouth, the way that her body, (sighs) it was just, it, Yeah. That was a hard one. Uh, Ressler was asked to assist the case right away. So usually uh, detectives hemmed and hawed whether or not to get the BSU involved. They would, like the FBI was, but it was, um, nobody really saw that this was going to be a beneficial unit to investigations. However, he put a a criminal profile together quickly on this a sacramental murder, which sort of was the, uh, how do I describe it? Um, the, 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 the push and drive that the FBI needed to go, oh, well, this, this actually works. So here's the profile on this serial killer. We don't know who it is yet. White male, 25 to 27, thin, unnourished, history of mental illness, drug use. His home would probably be dirty with evidence of the murder there. He's a loner. Unemployed on disability, paranoid, paranoid psychosis. Six people were killed in total. With the new information on these murders, Ressler added, the killer probably lived within one to two miles of the murders and he was single. Touching on the, the, the um, note here about serial killers being single or loners, impotence was often something that came up and... I was, or didn't. Or didn't. <laughs> oh, oh my god! I'm like, what a poor choice of words you just used. That was beautiful. <laughs> so well executed. <laughs> that came so perfectly. Uh, you know, it didn't come perfectly. Oh gosh! Let's, let's, just, let's, keep, just, let's just keep this coming keep, or keep not on. coming. Okay. <laughs> let's just keep working on this. Ew. See if something happens. Just stroke it. Keep it. Keep stroking it. Just stro- okay. Stroke okay. It okay. Yeah. Jenna, you're not keeping up here. <laughs> uh, um, okay. So 
it's I was listening to this podcast called Ologies, which I highly recommend. It's a really wonderful podcast about um ologies it, you know like a podcast about ologies yeah criminal criminal criminology or oh, um, that makes sense i'm like i don't know what that word is <laughs> uh oh. the, so the the episode i listened to because i don't remember all of the i know this like they talk about volcanoes and Ooh. dinosaurs and things but there's an volcanology o- yeah well volcanology <laughs> i think i don't know oh that's actually a word that makes sense when you said I it i was just trying to be funny yeah i can't i don't know if they're dinosology maybe or, or pa- paleontology. Yeah. That, that, yes, that's, yeah. <laughs> but I like dinosology better. <laughs> so they get experts from those ologies to come on. And oh, the cool. recent one was, that's fun. It was about the apocalypse, which is called uh, Eschatology. Yes. Totally is pronounced what it's called. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is exactly what it's called, Jenna. But so it's a very depressing episode to listen to if you're not ready to have like a bunch of facts thrown at you and the truth about when the, the world is going to end because it's it's gonna end, it's gonna end within a hundred years sorry just telling it like it is but one of the key things that they had mentioned which fucking pissed me off is incels the idea that there there is this group of men out there who get angry because women don't want to sleep with them or uh they can't get a girlfriend or they have they're just they struggle with having a, a some sort of relationship with the opposite gender whether it's friendship or in a romantic relationship these this group of people are going to play a huge role in the coming apocalypse because of their terrible terrible outlook on on life they they were saying in this podcast that um these type of characters will use the technology that we're creating to better the world in very very negative ways that will totally per, like hurt our ability to overcome the you know uh coming upon how, maybe i'm explaining that um wrong but like a recipe they are a key ingredient yeah added to the idea that the apocalypse apocalypse will happen they are going to be a problem down the road like more right. of a problem that will kind of lead potentially to the apocalypse and and like when we read all these cases of serial killers and you know um some most of them have problems with women and they kill because of women it's still a it's going to be a never-ending problem unfortunately from these experts talking on this podcast wow i'm rambling now sorry i know i'm so sorry no that's true um but i mean yeah I get it, but there's also a lot of good people. There are, in the world. and and w- they do touch on that. They they do talk about how, with everything happening right now, yeah, with, uh, you know, an orange face fuck face being a president, uh, which here's a fun fact: there is not one single person in the history orange in history face fuck face, yeah, <laughs> who has pushed the doomsday clock further. Than Donald Trump. There's this doomsday clock. Yep. And it's sort of, you, you know yep. what it's all about? He pushed it a whole minute. Yep. In, in various in various instances. But when he was elected, pushed it 30 seconds forward. And when he dropped out of the Paris Accord, 30 seconds forward. Not a single human, not another person has done that. And such a small, like, it was so fast. Not even a year. Not even a year. 
Anyways, okay, moving on. So this profile description that I gave earlier about loner, malnourished, yep. whatever, Richard Chase fit the profile to a T. Mm-hmm. And thanks to an old high school friend he had just had a run-in with, it was her concern for his unhealthy appearance that made her call the police. They found he lived within one mi- a one-mile radius mm-hmm. of these victims. Chase was arrested, and on May 8th, 1979, Case... Cases was found, Chases, whoops, was found guilty of six accounts of first degree murder, sentenced to die via gas chamber. Ressler calls this a disorganized serial killer. If you look into the murders, they are sporadic, knee jerky, and messy. So he, by his appearance and by the way the murders were conducted, no, no, no real trophies were collected. There was really no set plan. It wasn't thought, th- thought oh. through enough. There was no cunning um he he lived his life the like he was a drug user so you actively saw it whereas when you see uh john wayne gacy he was put together he was a family man he had kids like yeah he lived a normal life yes uh, richard chase years. did not yeah okay i get it <sighs> okay so while wrestler got a great opportunity to interview Chase, he spoke mostly of his fears of Nazis and UFOs. He claimed he was forced to kill to keep himself alive, but was fully well aware that he committed these acts. And he said it was because of he had to do them out of self-defense. <laughs> sure, buddy. Yes. He even went as far as to ask for a radar gun to apprehend the Nazi UFOs. So this Nazi whatever could stand trial for the murders he committed. <laughs> okay. I even wrote I Carumba on here. <clears throat> nice. Like, holy shit. However, Chase killed himself on December 26, 1980. He had been stashing his antidepressants for several weeks and overdosed. In jail, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, another interaction a wrestler had that absolutely blew my friggin' mind. Like, this was probably, I got deep here and i like i again i only scratched the surface who is it was his this this interview was with ed kemper oh which you will also see a little bit in the mine hunter show oh it's fucking brilliant and the guy who plays ed kemper he was nominated for an emmy yeah oh my god who is it who is it i forget his name i i know i'm so just talking about I just heard about it. I'll give him a shout. I'll, I'll kind of give him okay. a shout out probably uh, when we when we post this. Or so, when we do Ed Kemper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You um, You're just scratching the surface, Jenna. Just, I really, I really am. Let's not get into it. So just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'll okay. get into it. Because this oh, does yeah. well, have a have little to, bit of psychology involved. You have to, yeah. So most of the things that I'm talking about have a role to play in, in wrestlers' uh, research on psychology and serial killers. Um, so I don't. That's why I don't go into too much detail otherwise. Yeah, but a little detail because some people might not, true. if they're new to true crime or anything, they might not know who these people are. That's that's true. So hopefully you guys go out and research or you stay tuned to listen to more episodes of the Art of Murder podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. All right. The man who killed both his grandparents at the age of 15, who was Ed Kemper, was sent to uh, the criminally insane unit of the Ascadero, wait, Ascadero State Hospital after court, the courts diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. He was a terrifying man to sit face to face with and dive deep into his psyche. He was polite, calm, and never acted like a person who had murdered 10 people. Now, this serial killer 
had an IQ of 136, but later changed to 145. What? Yeah. There are special groups out there who only accept people with high IQs of like 130. And the, the, and that's like, um, is it Mensa? A Mensa institution? It's like the, I don't know, smartest people place to go, group to go. But there's even one that's, um, above, you have to get a score of above 140. So, and it's like an exclusive group. They probably, they, I think they have about 1,500 people in it. God, I would like to just go to one of their like gatherings, if you will. Mm-hmm. How judgy would you think they are? <laughs> I thought about that too last night. I was like, there's probably a bunch of hoity toity like intellectuals that just stand around and talk about how mm. all of us dumb people. Because we're like, p- the average IQ is anywhere between, I believe, it, don't quote me on this, 100 and 125 that's the um the world's population the the most average is in that oh, okay area but we sit down <laughs> okay some of these foodie things but and what they realize based on this I, it's not all the time will iq play a, a really big role in your like personality traits however right it it did show that he had full control of his life and his behavior he was very calculated like i said earlier about other serial killers he was just like them so they re-diagnosed him as having a personality trait disturbance and being a passive aggressive type so kemper at 21 is released on parole from the institution and then between May 1972 and April 1973, he killed five college and one high school student, then his mother and her best friend. And I am not going to tell you what he did to his mom's body. It's fucking disgusting. Mm. Anyways, during the interview with Kemper. Mother issues. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Oh, yeah. Very much Huge. female Issues and what's that word called? Or no, not impotence. He even stated in an interview, and I watched this interview, he stated, it wasn't because I was impotent. I just did not know how to create a positive relationship with females. That's what he said. <sighs> okay. Rustler, Rustler got spooked during this interview with Kemper and yeah. pressed the call button to have one of the guards come in. Mm-mm. 15 minutes go by. 30 minutes go by. What? Mm-hmm. Wrestler pressed the button again. And shortly after, Kemper picked up on Wrestler's anxiety and said in such a cool, calm, collected no, way. No, no, no. Okay. If I went apeshit in here, you'd be in a lot of trouble. I could screw your head off and place it on the table to greet the guards. Mm-hmm. Shaken by this comment, Wrestler warned Ed that it would probably not help him and he would get in big trouble if he murdered a federal agent. But Kemper was really smart. He said, what would they do? Cut off my TV privileges? Kemper knew he had control. Not only was he smart Uh, in realizing that no person was allowed to have a gun while in prison, but that regardless of any special privileges and or weapon the FBI were allowed to have while in the in the prison, he was six foot nine, three hundred pounds of pure destruction. He was he's six foot nine. Mm-hmm. Ah, I didn't think it was that big. He's he's oh yeah. He's really tall. Yeah. I don't want to call him a giant, but because I feel like giant like being called a giant has a negative connotation in some 
ways or another. I mean, at 300 pounds, you'll wear it well. I'm yeah. not saying that about him. Like, fuck Ed Kemper. He's a disgusting human being. Yeah, yeah. But in general, like, you know. Yeah. Wow. Was he handcuffed, though? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. He would have to be. I'm a, uh, Even still, if he was handcuffed. He could probably break the chains with that. Okay, yeah. and then I feel like I'm just mad about that whole jail. Like, where the hell is the guard? So here, Duh. I will tell you. Okay, tell so me. So in that moment, yeah. he had he was completely untouchable. Like, Kemper knew he was untouchable yeah. because he was so aware of his surroundings. He mentioned that there was, that because the reason there was a delay was partly in due, it was partly due to the fact that it was the switch, like shift switch mm-hmm. and lunchtime for most of the guards. And he said to, he said to wrestler, wrestler, it could take anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes for these guys to come back. So as Kessler, or sorry, I keep putting, I keep saying Kessler, wrestler, wrestler. Uh, as he was leaving the interview with Kemper, he, Kemper put his hand on his shoulder and said, you know, I was kidding. Don't you? Yeah. Fucked up. And, and so I was... I'm sorry. <laughs> Lunchtime or not, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, okay, even if they're switching their shifts, you wait there at your post until another yeah. guard comes and relieves you. You don't leave and say, well, okay. Well, it goes back. done. I think why Kemper is such a fascinating case is because when he was institutionalized at 15, mm-hmm. he actually tricked the fucking psychologist into into thinking that he was he was rehabilitated right and, and that's why he was let out yeah he was re-diagnosed not with schizophrenia which probably would have kept him in but this like dis- distorted personality sort of like he he was smart manipulative but also still seriously fucked in the head but he somehow convinced these people to let him out at 21 and that's yeah. where this whole this is where it comes full circle for this story he was you watch I watched this two part documentary with him interviewing somebody else that wasn't wrestler and the way he's talking about the killings and his his life with his mom. He's just sitting there so calm and cool and collected and just having just a conversation chilling. like you and I are. It is fucking chilling. It is. You know what? When I say I'm desensitized, the minute I watch these interviews, it all comes. It just it just breaks like I, I can't hold yeah. it together because the, there is a real person right there. You are yeah, listening when it's actually to. them that I think that's you hear their voice. like, I don't want to hear you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see how you move yeah. or talk or anything. That's why I have a hard time listening to the podcast Sword and Scale because they do a lot of audio clips yeah. from, you know, interviews or actual like there was an episode of a live recording of one of the killers murdering his victims Fuck. It, and i watch i'm so stupid i do i listen and watch all this shit in the dark and it oh, gets me paranoid i also smoke a lot of weed to try to go to bed and that sometimes makes me paranoid so it does not help um legal weed i should say <laughs> okay uh yeah and my stomach is still turning just thinking about it. But there's so much more to get into. And I'm really excited. And this, yeah, again, this story really got me excited about, like, we were talking about it earlier. Why can't we just do this for the rest of our lives and only do this and just research? And <laughs> I want to I wanna go back to school now for criminology. My brother is went to school for criminology. And he got his, he? yeah, he got his uh, uh, is bachelor's. He, is he working in No. Uh, why? He works for CN on a choo-choo train. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, when there's a murder. 
I see it reels. I don't know. I, I would he be interested. There. Yeah, maybe. I have to pick his brain about criminology. I, I don't. He's a good resource to. Yeah. Maybe I'll give him a call one day. Um, wrestler has collected over thirty six interviews with incarcerated serial killers that helped set up the violent criminal apprehension program because in cases like Bundy, where he moved from state to state and jurisdictions didn't involve each other or know in some ho- cases of homicide. It, um, oh, sorry. Hold on. Let me, uh, because in cases like Bundy, where he moved from state to state and jurisdictions didn't involve each other or know in some cases of homicides. So they're not, feeding information back and forth it's not like a collective no not like collective what's the word oh my god (laughs) i didn't have enough coffee today a collective highway (laughs) sure yeah i'm just like it's not common knowledge amongst all um all police personnel yes you know how you go collaboration yeah Yeah. okay yeah (laughs) the facebook of of criminal stuff. i prefer collective highway i like collective highway officially it is dubbed collective highway Excellent. okay so name uh, of the blah, episode blah, blah, blah. collective highway <laughs> done uh it prevented actual investigators from receiving critical information on the killers so when this uh violent criminal apprehension program uh came to be this allowed a wide search of potential key items to be cross-referenced when another killer was on the loose. So this would have actually helped the Ted Bundy case if this was, you know, brought, if this was created earlier. But it was Bundy's, it was because of Bundy that this was created. So out of darkness comes light. Even, even, yeah. it's, no, it doesn't, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. I, I, uh... I so <laughs> I'm writing this and I'm like, fuck, I don't have, I I'm running out of time here. So I, I would really love to have gone and through like all of his cases and the list of, of serial killers he talked to was just like a mile long, but just, so just like, yeah. Okay. He, he, like this guy, you should like this guy I want, I like, I wish he was still alive. So I, could I know it's like you want to talk to him and at the same time, like how hard is that? Like, it's fascinating. and so hard that you have that many serial killers that you, um, interacted with yeah well he even stated in an interview that you know you you're in it for so long that you close your eyes and it's just there you can't there's no way anymore to get get it out of your head there's nothing you can do gross um but uh he he has looked into cases like john crutchley and john jobert and monty rissell like he even sat down and did an extensive interview with Monty Rissell. I don't, I, I decided not to look into their stories because I was like, you know what, this will yeah. be another opportunity um, to look into the art of psychology and criminals. Yeah. But one of the last ones I want to touch on is Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. He was a very interesting exception to the organized serial killing subtype. Uh, wrestler found him to be very open about his crimes. Ed Kemper was, but there was something still about him that he kept guarded. And just like Ted Bundy, he wasn't sure who was playing who. Right. But in the case of Jeffrey Dahmer, he gave him so much critical information that was helpful. Uh, he was even asked to testify in Dahmer's uh, case to say that he wasn't right in the head. And and uh, Robert had said, like, when it, when it was, when it came down to... Dahmer committing these crimes um he was not of sound mind doing it it was almost like there was a switch he was a different person and 
he did it. But if he didn't follow through, sort of that click in his head was still there. There was like this buzzing in his head that continued to happen until he finished the job. Uh, and, and the key thing that um, Wrestler had noted was the reason he did it was to look for a submissive partner. He just wanted... He Dahmer wa- did it. Yes. Okay. Ja- Dahmer. His crimes were emotionally driven. And yeah. once he brought a victim home, again, he was unstoppable. He, ha- he had he had to, to finish. finish. Weird. Yeah. Kessler... Or, oh my God, I did it again. And I am so sorry. Wrestler stated this was one of his first organized serial killers he interviewed that lost control in psychotic episodes. And this interaction with Dahmer changed the direction of psychology, psychological profiling forever. And always remember, the most brutal killers could really just be living right next door. Fuck, you could be married to him. Yep. You really, yeah, Yeah. you could. That's that's the creepiest part. It's Mm -hmm. like you often look for this boogeyman yeah, he's probably like Mister. Like, invite you over to barbecue, and you know, f- neighborhood. Yeah, friendly. That's like um, the the gentleman who uh, it was a couple years ago. Shit, we got to go to war. <laughs> a couple years ago, there was a gentleman who had kidnapped four or five women. Uh, it, it, it happened. Um, very recently, I can't remember what his fucking name was, but the gentleman who saved the one girl, a man. Oh, um, uh... I know it starts with a C. It's like on the tip of my tongue. But the the gentleman who saved the one girl, Chrissy, Christy, no, Christo, no, the one, the girl who had her hand out, hand out. Somebody in the, yeah, yeah, it's on Netflix. It's a yeah, movie about it. the, the Christy Lee, uh, Christy Lee, Chris, uh, something Lee, Chris, uh, Casey Lee. Is it Casey maybe? Lee? Maybe. <laughs> well, well, the guy who saved her yeah. even said like. I like my next door neighbor came over and asked me to he would he was he'd be barbecuing we'd have ribs together it's in a f- very funny auto-tuned uh yes. viral video but like they are here they they mm-hmm. exist so someone in this neighborhood well I have I kind of have my eye oops I have my eye on one guy who's been really creepy and very meh so uh that's besides the point but JC Lee isn't it JC Lee um I don't I can't remember. But I just want to conclude by saying uh, wrestler retired from the FBI in 1990, but was still active in the behavioral science unit until his death in 2013. He still worked on many active cases and was a pivotal role in the in criminal profiling today. Like a lot. He's written a ton of like there's so many books that this man has written and many books on him that's written he is like the pièce de résistance of criminal pro- profiling and if uh, it wasn't for uh wrestler we would not have the information that we have today about serial killers that's amazing mm-hmm. that he uh and it's jc lee the jc lee story but it's dugard is the last name oh. but jc lee oh is it yeah mm. she's kidnapped for 18 years but yeah, yeah. so wow and it's these people like that that help Every time, you know, you do more research, help the next, because there's always going to be another one. Yeah. And so let's get better at trying to identify them and stop them earlier, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and consider every possibility yes. of a way of, of finding them. Yeah. You know, it could be something is outlandish. No, I shouldn't say calling the crystals or calling the corners, whatever. No, uh, scientific um, ideas on how to find these criminals just keep what an open you mind scientific did i say scientific? is that what you just said scientific wow <laughs> elberson you are really on the ball today with words 
<laughs> I've changed the title of our podcast this time. It's called Scientifical Murders. Our Scientifical Murders. Our, that's, our, a, that's a change. Jenna said that, not Julie. <laughs> it had to happen. Look how cute your dog is. I know. He's being pretty cute. Uh, Jenna, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I like to hear about shit like that. Yeah, it was really it was really fun to do. Yeah, because you're you know again you're talking about the good guy. Yeah, it's, I think it's important. I like the whole is. like Paul Hole's becoming like this um, sex in, icon. Yeah, he like I mean <laughs> he's retired. Pretty, yeah, he's handsome. Retired um, investigator. Is this just his food? Because I'm feeding yep. it. Okay. Yeah. He's so hungry. Like a little. He's piglet. a lab. He'll eat anything. My dog too, and she's a Chihuahua. Baby is so cute. She just wants to eat, eat, eat all the time. Our murder pets. Yes. Anyways. Okay. Guys, that was our murders and our shits. Yeah. Our, like my murder and her bunch of murders. But, but like the dude mm-hmm. whose name is Wrestler. This is another Kessler. One. Isn't it Ben Kessler? Isn't that why? <gasps> that. The, I was going to say it at the beginning and I kept thinking it's because you're thinking of Ben yeah. Kessler. 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 Oh, whatever. Whatever. Fuck. The name is. Not I think that. it also autocorrect. Like it would. Oh, auto, yes. Auto spelled, whatever. Whatever. Whatever, whatever, um, whatever, whatever. Brilliant. Yeah. All this right. was a good episode. I was really, like, I loved your story. Like, yeah. It's amazing. This is great. So, website's going to go up this week, hopefully. We're working on it. Email um, us, artofmurderpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, the art of murder. The art of murder. Facebook, the Face- art of murder. Yeah, look up the art of murder. Um, don't post on Toy Store. No. Po- Facebook. About death. Nope. And murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, we are now available on Google Play. Oh, yeah. Yay! So, uh, we, wow. Tell like, your we're people. legit. Yeah, tell everybody I mean, you're you listening know. to us, but whatever. Please. Like, we want to give shout outs to those people who help us promote and push out the, the podcast. And because uh, it really is our fans who, well, fans and friends and everybody and family who help kind of keep us yes. keep us doing this i mean we're gonna do it anyways yeah. if you doesn't matter if you listen. decide not to listen but it would be nice it'd it be nice be. to have some interaction i like, I like with... to find out when somebody is like oh i was listening to your podcast and this and this and i'm like oh, you listen to our podcast it does it is Yay. very heartwarming we like it but uh so continue to listen please spread the word we really really appreciate all of the effort yes mm-hmm. thank How's you that smart food popcorn and Oh, how's it with smart? This yeah, how's it? It's freaking good? good. I gotta, anyway. it's gotta stop eating it. Okay. All well, right, guys. Hey, stop eating ne- it. Till next week. Ambient, Ambient toast. <laughs> yeah! Nice! We oh my it. god! That was such Yeah! I emailed my sister-in-law and I ended it with ambient toast. She goes, okay, I don't know what ambient toast <laughs> means, but I'm like, you're not a fan. You're not cool. What? I mean, you are cool, probably. You are, but she can't do true crime. Okay, we gotta go. We gotta go.